0: Christian Questions.
1: Moses Maimonides once said, everyone entrusted with a mission is an angel. Good morning everyone and welcome to Christian Questions, Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different
2: perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday
1: morning. And Jonathan, what's up? What's happening? And what's the topic for today?
2: Well, Rick, the question this morning is, are angels influencing your life? And our theme text is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. (laughs)
1: So, the question, are angels influencing your life? And, and Jonathan, if you remember, several weeks ago we talked about demons. Yes, we did. And there's sometimes subtle and sometimes blatant influence in our world today and how careful that we need to be. Well, the Opposite of that, obviously, would be, okay, well then what about angels? Does God give us the influence of angels to counteract the darkness of the demons that, that the demons bring? Can we find our hope and perspective in the presence and guidance of angels? Are angels in our lives as a tangible benefit to our spirituality?
2: Well that's a great question. Great
1: subject. It is. It is a it's a great subject and it's a very popular subject. Uh just as we were remarking a few weeks ago about how there's so many uh how 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 the the dean dean demonic world has worked its way into mainstream uh, into our mainstream media into television into movies yes and music right you you don't have to turn very far and you find something that has a a demonic reference so the angelic realm has worked its way into the mainstream media and there are television programs about them and 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 so forth and so on so alright what does it all mean how much of it or if any of it is real or is this all imagined or i mean does everybody have a guardian angel these are the kinds of questions that we want to get into this morning and we want to look at them from the standpoint of what does the bible say.
2: Great place to start.
1: Well, you know what? It's a great place to start. <laughs> it's a great place to have the conversation and a great place to end. There you go. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, but hey, that's just me. All right, so let's get started with this. What role did angels first play in the Bible regarding the affairs of men? So in the Bible, where where were they? How how did how did they act? What did they do?
2: An, an angel in the Old Testament, um, the definition means to dispatch as a deputy.
1: All right, so the idea is to be um, carrying through the responsibility of somebody higher than yourself,
2: right. obviously God,
1: right? And, and we know that in in we'll get to this as the program unfolds. But ma- angels are are often looked at as messengers, mm-hmm. and, yes. and and that really does fit that it does that it's definition. Perfect. So, aside from the role of Lucifer in the Garden of Eden as protector of man in the garden, remember uh, when we talked about demons, we were talking about that in yes. that portion. And folks, really, this, it's early in the program, but you want to go to ChristianQuestions.com, ChristianQuestions.com, sign up for Seek Rewind, the full edition, because we've got a lot of notes on that particular point. That's a great place to start right, before this subject. Right. And once you sign up and for the full edition on the, on the website, you have access to all of the old Seek Rewinds. So you can go back to the one on demons and, and pull that information out, put it next to the one on angels, and you get a comprehensive look. Where else are you going to get that? I ask you.
2: Only ChristianQuestions.com
1: All right. So aside from Lucifer's role in the Garden of Eden, um, the first use of cherubim and, and the first re- reference to any spiritual being except God and Satan is in Genesis chapter 3,
2: verse 24. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So the idea of cherubim, because... Uh, Satan in the garden
1: was, was referred to as a cherubim as well. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. really does have that. seem to have that idea of protecting. Yes, it does. And in, in this case, though, the cherub was there, was there to protect...
2: Mankind from staying out yeah, of the garden.
1: keep them out, you know, throw them out and keep them out. That's so, right. So it's kind of interesting. When we think of cherubs, sometimes we think of the little tiny baby <laughs> angels, you know, <laughs> yeah. those little characters. Well, they're so cute. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> it's one thing angels are not. They're not cute. Okay, they are mighty, powerful beings of God uh, that are beyond our, our scope. Mm-hmm. So you know, this idea of you know little angel running around with a little diaper on, little arrow and all that. Come on, people, <laughs> let's get real. Uh, so <laughs> let's go to um, a soundbite right off right off the bat. Uh, this is Graham Hancock and Lorna Byrne having a conversation. Now Graham Hancock wrote uh, the book War God, and Lorna Byrne wrote. Uh, the book Message of Hope from the Angels Uh, they're both very sort of spiritually minded and this Lorna Byrne has this this connection she says with the angelic world like on a regular basis so Mr. Hancock is is sort of interviewing her about her her connection so let's just sort of drop in on that
3: do you feel that that um, I, I know that that your focus is on the angelic side, yeah, and yeah. and this surely is a positive spiritual influence. But do you do you feel that people are drawn that there's something in the human the human experience that leads people to be drawn to the dark side and to and to evil and wicked choices?
0: Um, yes, and I, I love I love the question. Um, people are drawn more so to the to the dark side to. Um, what people call demons or Satan mm-hmm. or the devil, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid that part does exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so it it is in in the sense they listen yeah. to 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 the negative to to the demon more more so than they would to to the angel or mm-hmm. to the guardian mm-hmm. angel or even to God.
1: So it's an interesting, and we're going to come back to that interview a couple more times during the program. But it's an interesting perspective that she brings out here. I, I almost implying that you can listen to the demons or you can listen to the angels. Right. You know, she's saying, oh, you know, and people tend to listen more to the dark side. And, and, you know, whether I agree with her and all of that or not, I I think that's a, a valid point. Okay. That humanity is drawn to the dark side. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the result of sin entering and being a part of, of of our world. Folks, we're talking about angels and their influence in our lives. If you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866 985 all We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9,
2: and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com
1: and Jonathan as we pursue this we we were looking at we're we're trying to find the first roles of angelic uh uh involvement with the human race and obviously we we see lucifer satan uh First, mm-hmm. we see the cherub, the cherubim at the east at the uh, gate of Eden, basically saying "keep out." Right. And now let's go to Genesis chapter six. This is the first role of recorded of spiritual beings in the lives of fallen of the fallen
2: race of men. Okay, Genesis six one to five. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the ground, and the daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took them wives of all that they chose.
1: So this is an interesting phrase and an interesting de- description. It says, the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Mm-hmm. So who are these sons of God? It doesn't call them angels.
2: No, it calls them sons
1: of God. So now why wouldn't the, the text refer to them as angels if they are the spiritual beings from on high?
2: Good question.
1: And and here's the point. Sons of God, not angels, not cherubim, they were dabbling in the lives of mankind according to their own desires. Now, remember the definition of angel is is essentially a deputy or a messenger? Yes. So they were not sent by God. Ah. They arrived because they decided to.
2: Their own will.
1: Right. So here, they're not classified as angels. They're classified as sons of God, essentially spirit beings. Right. So there's a big difference here. And so what happens as a result of this
2: non-authorized entry into the world of mankind? Let's continue. And Jehovah said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for that he also is flesh. Yet shall his days be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same were the mighty men that were of old, the men of renown. So
1: this this uh, unauthorized uh, action produced these Nephilim.
2: Which were giants on the earth.
1: Which were a hybrid mutant race,
2: for That's right, lack
1: of a better description. So these sons of God acted not only against the will of God but they acted against the design of God they interfered right and not only did they interfere but they but they sought to turn the tide on the direction that the plan of God was supposed
2: to go and God's creation i mean that's right. messing everything up yes. isn't it
1: and 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 by, and that's why they're not called angels, because they were, they were doing this of their own accord. They mixed spirit with flesh, and this hybrid race, it did not belong. It was not a planned uh, part of the creation of God, and, and you can only get trouble from that.
2: That's right, and it says men of renown. You know, that reminds me of Greek mythology. And there may be some truth sprinkled into Greek mythology based on the history of humankind. Oh, absolutely.
1: The idea of, of Hercules being the son of a, half, of, a, of, a, of a woman and a god. Yes. <laughs> that is founded in truth. Yes. Here in the scripture. That's what this is talking about. But it, that's glorified, mm-hmm, of course, and, and and you know the truth is not glorified. It's 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 a it's a nasty turn against God.
2: And so let's just finish up with verse five. And Jehovah saw that the wickedness of men was great in the earth, and that every imagination of thought of his heart was only evil continually.
1: So the result of this interference by those not sent by God, those spiritual beings, is this action brought the permeation of evil throughout mankind, and evil founded uh, in not only disobedience but in defiance. Of the God ordained order of creation, uh, and it brought their dismissal. Hence the flood, right? right? To destroy all the
2: Nephilim and their influence. You know, because they were hybrids, even their genes could not be passed on to humankind.
1: And and that's kind of an important point on that. that The nature of creation, God built protection in.
2: Yes, right. And that's and, right.
1: and, that's, uh, and so they could not um, go further. Let, let's go to another soundbite real quickly here. This is Kim O'Neill, uh, author of the book, The Calling. And again, she is a great believer in guardian angels being involved in your everyday existence. So, so listen to this.
4: How can angels help us achieve our own ripple effect? Well, we really need our guardian angels to help us in that regard because, of course, we have... We can have an awareness of what we're here on the earthly plane to do, what our life's work is, which is a huge part of our destiny, but we, we then are in a position to wonder, well, then how do I do it? I know what it is, but how do I do it, and where do I do it, and when do I do it? And I found that if we can get information from our guardian angels, who can give us pragmatic, specific information about what we're supposed to do and when we're supposed to do it really specific, then we're able to start our lives really moving forward. We don't have any more of the confusion or the feeling of stagnation where we wonder, is this all I'm ever going to have? Is this all I'm ever going to be?
1: So her, her perspective on our guardian angels is they can give us pragmatic, specific information about what and when, to do with our lives and that just removes the confusion from our from ourselves
2: okay and she also said we know what our destiny is well do we <laughs> I
1: was like wait a minute well and, and so so what we're doing is we're looking at at the influence of, of individuals who believe that guardian angels are an active part of everybody's life or can be if you just choose for them to be so we that begs the question so when does angelic intervention occur uh, do we ever get direct guidance from them are angels supposed to be active in your everyday existence?
2: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject: Are angels influencing your life? Coming up, Abraham, Zacharias, and Mary had angelic visitors. Did any of them ask for angelic communication in advance of their visit? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, are angels influencing your life? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com.
1: And Jonathan, as we continue this, this conversation, we need to throw the gauntlet down here, uh, and essentially with this, this discussion, because either we should be continually, every day, seeking ways to have contact with our guardian angels, as some of these folks are suggesting, or we should be thinking, no, 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 that's not our realm, we should stay out of it. I don't think there's a middle ground. All right. OK. So which is it? And folks, that's why this is such an important program. And as we go through this program, what we're going to do is look at how angels interact with humanity from a biblical standpoint, because there's a ton of interaction. Oh in the there Bible. is. you're right. But there are very important key points that, that, that come across with each type of interaction. So as the program unfolds, we're going to be giving you some of those, one or two of those key points every single segment.: Excellent. You want to stay with us, and if for some reason we're not on in your area. For the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com and click Listen Live so you can stay with the conversation.
2: So, Jonathan, let's get started. Our first key point is what? Angels show up at key points when God's plan would be impossible to understand. Okay, at key
1: points when God's plan would be impossible to understand. Let's take a look at some actual examples of that happening. First, let's go to Abraham, Genesis chapter 22,
2: verses 9 to 13. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. So now this is with his son Isaac. He's about to sacrifice. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son.
1: And that was such an amazingly difficult task. You can't even imagine. Abraham was given a direct order from God. That's right. And this was a test of faithfulness. He must have understood God's ability to raise Isaac from the dead. Because he had promised Isaac as the promised seed. That's right. So Abraham knows God, and he knows that God is not going to just play a game with him. Mm -hmm. So he is being obedient, doesn't not understand what, why,
2: or how, but he's just doing what he's supposed to. So what happens? But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns.
1: So what happened? There was intervention in Abraham's life. That's right. And who provided it? A messenger, an angel. Yes. That said, stop, don't do it. Uh, This has been God's plan all along to not sacrifice your son.
2: Hence the key point, angels show up at key points when God's plan would be impossible to understand.
1: All right, so keep that in mind now as we go to the next soundbite. This is Leanne Babcock, and she is, we got this from YouTube, and she is one of those individuals who has this, this, this constant... Uh, Communication, she says, with the angelic realm. So let's just listen to how she describes some of her own personal interaction.
4: What I used to do is before each flight, because I had a lot of series of flights, is I would call the angels in and I would imagine the whole trip that day with all the connections in white light. And then I would Flying, by the way, it's not my best um, pastime. And if I don't really manage my head, it'll do me in. So when I do this, no fear, nothing. I am just taken care of. And I imagine I've got, I've got angels, uh, two angels in the front and two angels behind. They let me know when there's turbulence happening. They let me know when it's going to be a good flight. So I know already ahead of time.
1: So isn't that nice? <laughs> and, and you know, and I, I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be facetious, but you, you think about it. Her perspective on these guardian angels is, well, look, I have a really hard time flying. So what should I do? I'm going to call in the guardian angels. I'm going to going to contact. The the spiritual world So
2: they can reassure her.
1: Right. So she can and she says she imagines and I'm glad she used that word. She imagines two angels in the front and two angels in the back. But then she says, But they tell me when there's turbulence and they tell me how it's gonna work out so I know ahead of time that everything's gonna be okay. So you can see that there's a there's this sense of there. <laughs> It seems to me that there's a sense on a a part of humanity oftentimes, a sense of entitlement that we deserve to have the access to this spiritual world for our personal benefit. The question is, is that what the spiritual world is there for? Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on
2: right now. And while studying the Bible and talking about today's Christian topics, go to ChristianQuestions.com for audio, video, CQ Rewind, and other free resources that no one else has on the planet. All programs are recorded and archived online. Check them out at ChristianQuestions.com.
1: Alright, so we looked at this one example of Abraham,
2: and uh, and then we sort of compared that with uh, this
1: woman who in today's world says, you know, the angels can really be uh, effective uh, influences in every part of your life, and you really just need to reach out and touch them. That's the I'm obviously paraphrasing, but she's she's very very connected, if you will. Let's go to another scriptural example of angelic intervention, and this is this is Zacharias. Now he's a guy that most of us don't don't often just know who he is off the top of your that's head. That's
2: right. Now that's Elizabeth's husband.
1: Well, okay. Well, who's Elizabeth? Isn't that the
2: <laughs> cousin of Mary? Or?
1: and they are Zacharias and Elizabeth became the parents of
2: John the Baptist.
1: That is the connection. Okay, so here is what happens with Zacharias. In Luke chapter
2: one, uh, verses five through seventeen. In the days of Herod, king Ju- of the Judah, there was a priest named Zacharias, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years.
1: So the the, the context is they're older. They're incredibly faithful to the law, to to, to the law covenant, to the Jewish law.
2: And he was a priest.
1: Right. So he was working at at fulfilling it, and she was a very devout Jew. But they had no children. And, of course, having children in those days was like the sign of blessing. Mm -hmm. So that's the context of this. So let's continue. Verse 8.
2: Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. So this
1: is interesting. An angel appears to Zacharias, and what's his reaction?
2: He was scared.
1: He was afraid. He was looking at that with, with, with trepidation, and yet he's doing the things, that he's doing godly service. He's, right. he's in a godly perspective of, of heart and mind. So you'd think that, well, if angels then are supposed to be a regular part of our lives, and you're in a godly perspective when they show up, it should be, hey, you know, I was expecting you. Exactly, exactly. But it wasn't. He was afraid, and the message was, your petition has been heard. So they had prayed not to an angel, incidentally. They were praying to God. Yeah, good point. And and the angel is delivering as a messenger, delivering the message that they're going to have a son.
2: You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord.
1: So, essentially, this angel is delivering a message and the angel is saying... God has granted you the ability to have
2: a child and a privilege.
1: Right. He is but he is not just going to be any regular child. No. He is going to be the forerunner of Messiah the prophesied forerunner of Messiah. So, wow, what a privilege. So That's sens- huge. Right. So essentially, Zacharias and Elizabeth are childless until the point where God says, I need to raise up an individual to do this particular work, and they, they will be the parents of this child. He's going to be uh, a, a Nazarite. He is going to live a very different life. And so the angel is preparing Zacharias for what's to come. Yes. So he would not have been able to understand any of this. No way. So having the angelic visits helped him to understand what God was going to unfold, not merely, and here's the point, Jonathan, it was not merely in the lives of Zacharias and Elizabeth, but God was unfolding the plan of destiny for the entire world of mankind. Starting first with? the Jewish people,
2: the nation of Israel.
1: And Zacharias and Elizabeth. Yes. So the only reason they get the angelic intervention is not to, to congratulate them they're going to have a child. <laughs> it's not. It's to say, this child it has a special work that he is to do, so be on your guard to raise him up properly. That's why the angel came and visited them. So... With that being said, folks, again, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear your, perhaps you've had experiences, uh, guardian angel thoughts and, and, and experiences. 866-985-4255, toll free. 866-985 for all. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on
2: right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.com, no matter the day or time.
1: And, we're we're going to be really specifically addressing the questions of, well, do you have a guardian angel, and uh, how do you know? The, those, are, those are important questions we're going to be unfolding. Before we get there, though, let's go to, back to Kim O'Neill. She's the author of the book, The Calling, and she is discussing, remember, she's the one that says that, that, that your guardian angel is going to give you specific, uh, very clear perspective on how to unfold your life. So let's just hear a little bit more of what she says along those lines.
4: How can one communicate with their angels? I believe we all interact in a different way. And I've been teaching channeling for about 20 years now, and we all interact in a little bit of a different way. We can hear them telepathically inside of our head, which feels like we're talking to ourselves. A lot of folks then have the question, well, how do I know it's really them and it's not head talk? Um, And it's a matter of allowing the relationship to unfold on a day-to-day basis. So if someone is listening right now and they say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't Kim say that Our guardian angels will just tell us, well, what do you mean? They'll just blah, blah, blah. Well, they can. Or sometimes they will speak with us telepathically or they'll give us signs or clues about our life and what they feel we're ready for on a day-to-day basis as each day unfolds.
1: Well, wow, there's a lot I could say about that. Uh, and and, and here, here's the thing, folks. When, when you listen to something like that, it is opening a door of this, uh, of a flood of communication between you and your guardian angel, saying, you really should be doing this. You really should be communicating with your guardian angels so they can tell you where you need to be going. The, the point here we're making is, let's look at scriptural guardian angel influences. You know, the idea of guardian angel, I think, came from the Bible. Oh, That's true, Rick. So if it came from the Bible, don't you think you ought to go back to the source to see how it's supposed to be used? Ah. Nice. And the, what, we're, what we're seeing here is not what the Bible so far is describing. Not even remotely close. As a matter of fact, it's diametrically opposed to the way b- the Bible describes angelic intervention.
2: That's a good point.
1: So be, We need to be careful. Yes, be aware. Let, let's go to another example uh, of Mary. Now, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she also had a visit from a guardian angel. And again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866
2: Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to Nazareth to a virgin, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was.
1: So she didn't, when she sees this guardian angel come, she didn't say, Hey, good to see you again. She didn't say, Wow, you know, what what have you got to tell me today? She's like, Wait a minute. What's happening here? This is strange. This is not normal. Okay, normal human life, all indications thus far are that you don't have these these angels just just flitting in and flitting out of your life so they can have this, this continual
2: conversation with you. Continue. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David." And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Talk about
1: being delivered, delivering a message. Wow. So you've got the angel Gabriel, the same angel that went to see Zacharias, now comes back and visits Mary and says, you know, six months later, here's what's going to happen. Okay, you are going to have a son, uh, and it—he is going to be the Messiah. Messiah. Yeah. Wow. So this is this is this is almost too big, too big to, to to for Mary to to fathom, and she has very legitimate questions.
2: Yeah, Mary said to the angel, "How can this be, since I'm a virgin?" The angel answered and said to her, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you." And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. So you have a very, very
1: specific circumstance. And again, if, if Mary did not get the angelic intervention, would she have understood the plan of God unfolding in her life?
2: Not at all. She
1: would, it would have been completely over her head, beyond her. So the common denominators here are angelic, angelic visits were unexpected in these examples. There was a personal life-changing message delivered, and the message would also alter humanity. It wasn't about them, but it was about their children. And it was about what their children would do in each of these cases.
2: And what their responsibility was towards their children.
1: So angels are not there to make your life happier or more understandable.
2: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, are angels influencing your life? Coming up, did angels have such an incredible influence in our lives that we should let them tell us what to do? That's next.
0: You're listening to Christian
2: Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Are Angels Influencing Your Life? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now And our website, ChristianQuestions.com.
1: So that's an important question. Are angels influencing your life? Should angels be deciding, uh, helping us decide what to do with our lives? And, And Jonathan... Folks, look, if, if, you've, if you feel like you've had experiences where you've had uh, communication with, with angels and so forth, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your perspective. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front that if, if you are of, of, of the, the type of individual that says, well, you know, I have regular communication with my guardian angel, we don't see it that way. okay? Gonna tell you, but we're also going to be very kind and And,
2: and we will considered. listen.
1: Right. <clears throat> However, what we want to do is put this in perspective because this is such an important matter. To me, and, and I sort of want to put a conclusion out before we continue. Okay. My conclusion, personally, looking at Scripture and how angels show themselves in Scripture is, if you're having contact with spirit being that that you think is an angel, but the Scriptures say that we're not supposed to do that, then that leaves a door open to having contact with a spirit being that's not sanctioned by God.
2: Ah, okay. G- and G- B- Careful. That's
1: right. That's just be careful. So, all of that being said, our number, now we just scared everybody away, but our number is 866-985-4255, toll free 866 all Jonathan, what's
2: our next key point? Well, Rick, our next key point is angels show up at key points when God's plan required specific prophecies to be written, spoken, or understood.
1: So, there are many instances in the Bible where you do have angels showing up, but it's to deliver understanding, or what to write, or or what to know in terms of God's plan. Right. All right. So b- with that in mind, let's go back to Kim O'Neill, the author of the book The Calling. And here she is, she's again talking about, well, how do you communicate with your angels, which is very different than what we just said.
4: So I, I go back to the uh, eating the elephant, you do it one bite at a time. As we develop a relationship with our angels by simply Sitting down. This is what I recommend: with a notebook and a pen. I'm old school. I don't. I'm. I'm not so crazy about the computer because that starts engaging the brain, and that isn't what we want to do. We want to keep the brain as turned off as possible. So what we want to do is sit down with a notebook and a pen, write some questions down that represent priorities, and then set down maybe half an hour once a week.
1: Okay, and so she's given instruction, and folks, you've always hear the phrase "Don't try this at home." Yeah, I'm telling you, don't try this at home because this is opening up your mind to influence that ought not to be there. She's saying you don't, you want to write your questions down with a notebook and a pen. Don't, don't work, don't do the type it out on a computer because that engages your brain, and we don't want you engaging your brain here.
2: Now, wait a minute. Right. If you become vulnerable. Uh, you know, remember we did a program on demons right, and, right. and possession. Right. Right. Uh, be careful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go to another example,
1: Jonathan, of a key point when God's plan required specific prophecies to be written, spoken, or understood. Daniel is a great example of that. He had a lot of angelic intervention in his life. Daniel nine twenty to twenty
2: three. Now, while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, in behalf of the holy mountain of my God. So he is in a posture of humility and godliness. While I was still speaking in prayer, then the man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision previously, came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering. Gabriel shows up a lot, doesn't he? He does. Gabriel shows up a lot. And and what does he do? He gave me instruction and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you insight with understanding at the beginning of your supplications the command was issued and i have come to you for you are highly esteemed so give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision so daniel is in the
1: right attitude he is a man such a man of god that as soon as he started praying the command was for an answer was issued and gabriel was sent to deliver it personally because and god gave that command
2: right it's go talk to Daniel,
1: right. So, and that's that's an important point. It wasn't that that Gabriel decided. Oh, look, Daniel's praying. Let me go talk to him. Right. Gabriel is sent by God because Daniel is a pivotal, p- pivotal, <laughs> sure, a pivotal uh, uh, individual in the plan of God in terms of prophecy. He is he is so pivotal in in prophecy, Jonathan. That people who want to doubt the Bible like to throw out the Book of Daniel because it's so specific in its prophecies yes. that they have no answers for them. So that's why you have such care given to his, not necessarily his personal life, but the prophecies that would unfold the history of mankind. See, that's what angels are for. With that in mind, let's go back now to Graham Hancock, who's in, in, in interviewing Lorna Byrne, and she's the woman who sees angels and everything in all times. And, and again, this is a we just saw Daniel seeing Gabriel. Yes. Well, let's listen to what she sees.
0: And my teachers, instead of being instead of them being the school teacher, are being you. Right. Um, they work. They are God's angels. They are
3: angels. Yeah.
0: They have yeah. taught me to look at things, but to see.
3: Mm-hmm, you would mm-hmm. find
0: it incredible what I could see.
3: I mean, t- tell me, do you physically now? Y- physically.
0: That's the difference.
3: So, physically. So you are you are seeing angelic beings, angels, physically, all the time.
0: All of the time. Even, even now. Even even now, but I'm you go beyond that
3: but I want to know about but, that
0: let's start, let's start <laughs> well, there I don't know if I can because I know they're filming this yes you know um so um I'm asking and they're saying no not for this now they don't want to yeah
3: be, be spoken of
0: um, no now. it's not that the angels don't want right. but it is that you know of other things that I see physically okay that you
1: haven't even thought of so there's an answer without giving an answer. <laughs> you know, yeah. she is so ethereally involved in, in the in the in, in what she sees that she can't even express it to another human being. Now now look, am I doubting what she sees? No, I'm not doubting it. I'm doubting the origin of what she sees. Mm. That's what I'm doubting. That I am seriously doubting the origin of what she sees because it is out of context with what we understand angels to be and to do in the lives of humanity. What we have seen so far is they get involved at key points, they give their message, and then what do they do? They leave. They exit. Exit stage left. They're gone.
2: Until there's a command from God.
1: And then they come back, deliver the message, and then what do they do? They leave. And and sometimes they'll come and protect, sometimes, sometimes they'll have to come and destroy, whatever it is they do, and then they leave. Mm-hmm. This idea that they're constantly around, the only spiritual beings that are constantly around are under the realm of Satan. The fallen angels. So just be careful. Careful. Now, Jonathan, we folks, if you have a thought, now would be the time, 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're
2: live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And the conversation continues next hour, online and all through the week. Christian Questions is live Sunday mornings, on demand, with tons of topics to talk about, featured in our audio archive, CQ Rewind, Facebook, and our blog, only at Christian Questions.
1: So, Jonathan, as we, as we continue, and also, folks, Seek Your Rewind, the full edition, especially for this week. Oh, yeah. There, it, we've got a lot of extra material on angels. You can sign up for Seek Your Rewind, the full edition, at ChristianQuestions.com. It's a free service. and You get an, an email weekly that gives you a link that you can open it up. But, you know, we touched on cherubim. Yes. Uh, there's seraphim. There's sons of God. There's all of these different things. The bonus material goes into a lot of those things and helps to define what they really are. Excellent. According to Scripture. So, again, it's a free service available only at ChristianQuestions.com. Our next individual we want to touch on here is Zechariah. Now, he's an, uh, an Old Testament prophet, and he lives about the same time as Daniel. Okay. So, about the same time that Daniel is having the visit from Gabriel and and things are happening, Zechariah uh, is recounting an angel in communication with God and himself he, in his book in his
2: in his prophecy of Zechariah. We're, we're going to touch in on verses twelve to seventeen. Then the angel of the Lord said, "O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no compassion for Jerusalem and the cities of Judah?" with which you have been so indignant these 70 years remember the 70 years of desolation the lord answered the angel who was speaking with me with gracious words confronting comforting. comforting words sorry
1: so so he's recounting that he's praying and then the angel of the lord comes to to help him
2: understand what he's praying about so the angel who was speaking with me said to me proclaiming saying thus says the lord of hosts i am exceedingly jealous for jerusalem and zion but I am very angry with the nations who are at ease. For while I was only a little angry, they furthered the disaster.
1: So the angel is explaining. The angel is 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 bringing the message from God to Zechariah. And let's continue.
2: Therefore, thus says the Lord: I will return to Jerusalem with compassion. My house will be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts. And a measuring line will be stretched over Jerusalem. A Again proclaims, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion, and again choose Jerusalem.
1: So there is a prophecy being delivered to Zechariah through the angel from God. All right, but the, you got to get the get the pecking order. It comes from God. It goes through the angel. It goes to Zechariah to be written down and recorded, so it can be looked upon later on and see. So we can see, wow, that really happened. There was a prophecy, and it was fulfilled. So this would be the prophecy of the seventy weeks, and that became a very pivotal prophecy in terms of determining the return of Jesus, who had not even come on the scene yet. How about that? So you've got this whole thing happening. Angels show up, so prophecy can be put in place and that is much bigger than angels showing up saying oh you have a hangnail let me help you with it (laughs) so and again the the point here is to, to understand that angels are about God's business it's big and Jonathan we have just a couple minutes left in this segment what's the next key point
2: angels show up at key points when specific direction is needed by those who serve God and that's the key here The key point is they do show up
1: when somebody needs specific direction of what do I do next. And it's in relation to the service of God, the unfolding of the plan of God, the unfolding of the gospel, not in relation to is my airplane flight going to get there okay. Big difference between the two. We're not going to have the time to read it, but the account is of Philip, the the, the follower of Christ. Philip in Acts 8, 26-29, He's there's there's this man from Ethiopia.
2: Mm -hmm. A eunuch. He had great authority under Queen uh, Queen Candace, right?
1: Right, and he is reading the the prophet Isaiah, and he's basically saying, uh, you know, I'm, you know, I wish I I could learn about this. I wish I could know more. But God sent Philip to explain it to him. So this angel comes to the angel of the Lord comes to Philip and says, "Go this way. Talk to this man. He is he's essentially chosen for me." So. Philip takes that instruction, not because he's you know, thinking about what he's going to do next in his life, not because he's trying to figure out his personal destiny, not because he has questions for an angel and, and he wants to know more about his own life, but because the angel be, came to him at the direction of God so he can do what he's supposed to in relation to the gospel. Ah. Folks, that is what the angelic intervention is all about. Now we have not even touched the subject of guardian angels. Does everybody have guardian angels? Do all children have guardian angels? If you're not going to be with us, if, if we're not on in your area for the second hour, go to ChristianQuestions.com. Click Listen Live and, and stay with us because as soon as we get into the second hour, we're going to address those questions in some detail. And, you know, again, I believe that the answers to those questions are clear and they're specific and they're in the Bible. And and here here's the thing, John. We want answers. So we, that's why we, do. we should
2: go to the source.
1: So... When we want answers, we have two choices. We can either say, all right, I'm going to rely on my own personal experience and my personal interpretation to find an answer. Or we can go to, like you said, the source, the book where the concept of guardian angels was founded. Right. And see how guardian angels were discussed, how they were used, how they weren't used, and then say, okay... Could this possibly be the template for us to understand angelic influence uh, and intervention? And how it works. Because there is angelic influence and intervention. I, I have no question about that. We're not denying that. We're not doubting that. What we're looking at is saying, all right, how does angelic intervention and influence work is it rampant is it everywhere is it there for the taking is it there so that you can say at some point in your life okay now I'm ready to con- contact my guardian angel and now I'm ready to find out my own destiny or is angelic intervention and influence such that it has to do with what God wants, when God wants, and how God wants, and we have nothing to say about it at all. That's all coming up in the next hour. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we're talking about an incredibly important subject in our lives, and that is, are angels influencing your life? Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. You can leave your comments there or at ChristianQuestions.com. But until the next hour, are angels influencing your life? There's much more to talk about. We'll be back soon. Think about it.
0: Christian Questions.
1: Michelangelo once said, I saw the angel in the marble and carved until I set him free. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what is that topic this morning? It's a very important one.
2: It is, Rick. Our question is, are angels influencing your life? And our theme text is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, there's
1: a, a scripture that we didn't even touch on that in the first hour. Here, There's a scripture that says, wow, you know, the the angels are, at least we know this, they're watching.
2: Yes, they're watching.
1: Okay, so we know that much because the scriptures are telling us that much. In the first hour, we were talking about when and where angels appear and show up. And comparing the, those scriptural principles with a lot of personal uh, examples of people who believe that they have um, regular contact with with angels, specifically their guardian angels. And we're, what we're trying to do is understand angelic intervention in human life in relation to scriptural principle and definition.
2: Which is the source of introducing that concept.
1: So we want to get it right, and if you want to get it right, go back to the source, and then what we should do is we should compare our personal experiences against the source instead of taking our personal experience to override the source good point i think that's a that's a that's a big difference so the concept of angels uh in in the new testament the word just what, what's the the word for angel in the old testament remember, it was like a deputy
2: that's right and in new testament it's, it's to bring tidings
1: okay messenger you're bringing a message you're delivering it's and and the key thing with messenger or deputy is whatever you're doing doesn't originate from you
2: It's from the source, the creator of all things. Right,
1: right, right. So an angel is therefore not a decision maker for you or in your life but should be, if it, doing anything at all, be delivering something from God Almighty. It's a conduit. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, Jonathan, another we, we've been going over key points from scriptures as to when angels show up. What's the next key point? Angels show
2: up at key points when God's human messengers needed extra assistance.
1: All right, so we have people who are already established as God's messengers. Elijah was a great example of this. And Elijah, we're not going to read the whole thing, but in 1 Kings 19, verses 1 through 8, um, what we have is Elijah is, is, has, has just had the intervention with the the prophets of Baal.
2: Oh, yes.
1: And remember, he's overcome them and, 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 and beat them down and destroyed them all. So he's a great messenger, a great, a great prophet of God. Oh, yeah. And after doing all of this, Queen Jezebel basically says, you're dead meat. <laughs> well, and I'm
2: paraphrasing, but within 24 hours, within
1: 24 hours, you're I'm going to do to you what you did to them. That's it. You're you're done. So he runs away. He's afraid. And he's so he's so distraught because he did work these great miracles uh, on, on the on behalf of God. And yet nobody seems to be jumping to his aid.
2: Right. So he was afraid and he ran and
1: he's distraught for his own
2: life. So let's jump in there. And in the account in verse five, he lay down and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him. And he said to him, arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread of cakes baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went to the went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb. The mountain of God.
1: So he is just despairing of life, and an angel comes and has has interaction with him. Yes. Taps him on the shoulder, wakes him up, and says, you have to eat. Sounds like my mom. (laughs) (laughs) You have to eat. And then he eats and he lays down, and the angel wakes him up again and says, you have to eat more. You've got a long journey. Forty days. And so you have this intervention in the life of an individual who had proven his faithfulness as a prophet, a great prophet of God. But that didn't happen to, to, to Elijah all along the way. No, it didn't. It wasn't something that was a common occurrence. It wasn't something that he could say, oh, hey, angel, let's go do this one together, shall we? No. It, he, he didn't call in the angel to say, hey, you know, what's for dinner tomorrow?
2: Only when he needed extra assistance. And it
1: wasn't of his own accord.
2: No, it wasn't. See,
1: that was the point. That's how angelic intervention really, truly does work. Uh, Jonathan, actually, let's do this. Let's go to the phones before we go to our next soundbite.
2: All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions.
3: Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. All right. Yes. uh, Are we connected to angels? Uh, Do we have a guardian angel and so forth on your question? Uh, We are promised an angel, to guide us. Uh, there are so many scriptures, uh, you know, uh, Psalms uh, 32, 8. I will guide thee with mine eye. And then I think a very familiar one that you mentioned before, I'm sure, Psalms 34, 7. Now, like Psalms 25, 12, it says, What person is he or she that fears God? Him or her will he guide. And see, The key here has to be, uh, point number two, that there has to be a connection to God, that it has to be a reverence for God. Psalms 34 7, uh, one of the ones already quoted to you, that specific. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. Those that fear, that reverence God. So, uh, I think you pointed out already in, in so many scriptures that the connection to God himself is indirect. It's, it's not a direct connection. It's through his holy angels. What a wonderful promise, and uh, I uh, appreciate the uh, your reference and study on it. God bless.
2: Take care. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Bye-bye. I think Julius
1: looked at my notes <laughs> those are such important points uh, about how do we know and 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 you know what about guardian angels and, and and Jonathan let's get into that Julius thanks for opening the door on that part of the discussion what about Guardian Angels. Well, to get that kind of conversation started, uh, uh, first of all, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866 985 for all. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now.
2: And if you have any questions on our subject, give us a call or ask your question at ChristianQuestions.com or go to Facebook or email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net.
1: All right, let's go to a soundbite Jonathan from uh, a a program again, we found this on YouTube, a program uh, on Guardian Angels uh, called Sightings. And it was a and and uh, this is about a young a, a young girl, she was 2 years old. Um, she had a, a near death experience and we'll let the soundbite do the rest.
0: A poolside accident left 2-year-old Ricky paralyzed and in a deep coma. While her family prayed for a miracle. Ricky believes she briefly entered a world where miracles do happen.
4: I looked behind me, and I saw a guardian angel, and um, she had flowing um, golden color hair, and she was wearing a white dress. She grabbed my hand, and we started to walk down the tunnel. When we got towards the end, she asked me if I wanted to go through the light with her, or if... I wanted to go back, and I told her that I had to go back and tell my mom where I was going. And so um, I I remember her walking me back and telling me not to be afraid.
1: So this, for, for a two-year-old, she has a, a tremendous, you know, you can't, okay, you're going to doubt her experience i mean that she's recounting what she she says she saw and she felt and she thought and and there's very obviously a guardian angel in this in this in this account of hers mm-hmm. so what do you do with that you know so the question really now comes down to who do angels watch over and actually before we go to the phones let's actually read this next scripture to just
2: begin to open up that part of the conversation and he called a child to himself and set him before them and said Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven.
1: So that is going to be an important question. What children have guardian angels do all
2: children? But before we go there, let's go back to the phones. All right, well, we have Beth from Tennessee. Good morning, Beth, and welcome to Christian
1: Questions.
5: Hey, good morning. How are you guys?
1: Good, Beth. Good to hear from you.
5: Hey, I I can barely hear you. I'm sorry. You're very, very faint.
1: Uh, Sometimes that seems to happen when we get calls. I'm not sure why, but um, go ahead. What's your thought?
5: uh well, um, I just wanted to kind of uh reiterate what you said about uh angels being messengers, and I wanted to cite one very important book in the Bible, which is revelation and uh you know the angel came as a messenger to John to relay what he was being told by God in the book of Revelation, which I happen to believe is a very very um uh, uplifting and hopeful uh book about, you know, where we will be when God's plan is complete. And I also want to make another point. Um, my father died very recently, and um, I've been listening to you guys I just haven't been calling in. But at his funeral, one of my family members who was trying to comfort me said, you know, that, my father was such a great man and that he will be missed and that now he's in heaven and he's our he will be our guardian angel and I you know I appreciated that comment by my relative but I just I really don't think that's biblical I don't believe that people become angels after they die I don't believe that you know I I agree with what you said about becoming messengers and being about the business of God so I know a lot of people try to say that you know, when when our loved ones die, they're watching over us. You know, I think that's a, a a great sentiment, but I don't really think that's correct. So I just I couldn't stand to be silent anymore. I had to call you guys, and uh, it's great to talk to you, and um, you guys have a great day. Thank you.
1: Thank Beth, you for calling, me Beth. Beth, thanks so much. Okay. Every, everybody in the studio is smiling ear to ear, hearing your voice again. We're so sorry for your troubles, and we know that God will bless you through it. So, what a great comment. And, and you know, I, I'm so glad that she said it and not me. Because she was in the experience and yet had the presence of mind to say, okay, it is a wonderful sen- sentiment and it makes you feel good. But just because something makes you feel good doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Right. And the idea of, of guardian angels and, you know, becoming guardian angels when we die, she's right. There is no scriptural evidence to, to that end.
2: And we are so sorry for your loss.
1: We we truly are, but uh, Beth, it's so good, so good to hear from you. Keep calling; we love it when you call. Uh, so, so Jonathan, let's get back to this thing. Okay, so what about guardian angels? You know, we have this experience with this young girl who was only two at the time, and she she uh, believes that you know she had this guardian angel bring her back. And then you just read the scripture that says these little ones have their angels in heaven, continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is telling us that unless you become like a child, and incidentally, these little ones.
2: What's the context? Who are these little ones?
1: Well, and I think that's the important thing. The question would be, does every single child have a guardian angel, and is that what this scripture is saying? And I think, Jonathan, we have to be really careful, because everything we've seen up to this point shows us that angels get involved at key points when something needs to happen to further the plan of God. Mm -hmm. Angels only get involved with those who were Either one of two in one of two situations. Okay. Under the law covenants, the Jews, the chosen people of God, or under the covenant of grace, because you're following Christ Jesus. Those are the only two times you see angelic interference, if you will, in, in life. So Jesus has a child before his apostles, and he's using this child as, as an example.
2: And this child is an Israelite.
1: Uh, absolutely, positively beyond the shadow of the Which
2: death. has a covenant before
1: God. Because it says in Amos two, what does it say there?
2: You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth, therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities.
1: So... What we have here is a, is, is some clear... And we, we're going to need to continue this conversation in the next segment. Jonathan, we're running behind, but this is really important. Clear evidence, scripturally, that guardian angels are actually not everywhere, but they are selective according to God's will.
2: This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, Are Angels Influencing Your Life? Coming up, if we are in harmony with God's will and His plan... Could we expect to have an angelic miracle done on our behalf like the apostles and the prophets did? That's next. You're listening to
5: Christian
2: Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, are angels influencing your life? To be a part of our program, call toll free eight six six nine eight five forty two fifty five. That's eight six six nine eight five four all. We're live Sunday mornings from seven to nine. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions dot com.
1: And Jonathan, as we continue this conversation on angels, specifically now on guardian angels, okay, well who has a guardian angel and who doesn't? You mean everyone doesn't have one? Well, I- if you look at how angels have shown up historically through Scripture, what we see is they're always showing up and intervening only in the lives of those who are under a covenant relationship with God. And not outside that. And not outside that. Okay. So when you ask the question, uh, and, you know, great example. We were talking during the break, and Fred, the, the, our board guy, was talking about, you know, what, what Beth said about, you know, n- people not becoming Guardians, angels when they die the guardian yeah. angels mm-hmm. and he said well but it did make a great movie and he's right you know it's a wonderful life is a movie about clarence
2: oh it was a great movie i
1: love the movie i don't believe the story but i love the movie <laughs> i love what it stands for I I, I I love all of those things but it's a fantasy according to scripture now now so no everybody does not according to scripture have a guardian angel why wow. do, why do we say that because Everything in scripture indicates that guardian angels are at work in the lives of children. They are of the children of those in covenant relationship with God. That's the way we see the scriptures unfolding for us. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on
2: right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com.
1: Let's go through a few more scriptures, Jonathan, about God, God's angels. Who are they watching over, and why do we think it's just over
2: God's chosen? For he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you will trample down.
1: And actually, remember, Satan partially quoted that scripture to Jesus when he was tempting him in the wilderness.
2: Oh, that's right.
1: And basically it's saying, angels charge concerning you. And this is talking to those in covenant relationship with God. So there's a scripture, uh, Julius quoted Psalm 34, 7 before, but let's quote it again.
2: The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues
1: them. And that is a powerful, simple, straightforward statement of who the angel of the Lord Watches over mm-hmm. those who fear him and rescue him. those who are in relationship with God through the, the, the law covenant in the Old Testament and the and the covenant of grace in the New Testament. And finally Hebrews one thirteen and fourteen.
2: But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits?
1: Ah, okay, okay. So angels are ministering spirits, right? To mm-hmm. who?
2: Sent out to render service.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Sent out to render service. You know, now we had all of those people, you know, giving us all that input on those sound bites of, you know, they're, they're there to render service to you. To
2: who? For the sake of those who will inherit salvation.
1: So again, the scripture is specific about who is involved uh, in, in terms of angelic protection. If you have a thought, folks, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free 866-985 for all. We, again, we're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now.
2: And if you have any questions on our subject, give us a call at ChristianQuestions.com uh, and go to our Facebook and email us at rick at net. So
1: they're going to give us a call at christianquestions.com? They are. Huh? They are.
2: <laughs> or at 866-985-4255. <laughs> uh,
1: anyway. Wake up. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, no, you're awake. Believe
1: me. A- okay. Next key point about angels when they show up.
2: Angels show up at key points when God's plan is in danger of being thwarted.
1: All right. Now, there are scriptural examples where things are going very badly.
2: And it looks like Satan's winning.
1: Right. And then an angel shows up. And we're, we're, we're not going to be able to read all of them, but just we're going to read one and we're going to touch on another one. This is, has to do with the apostles. This is the infant church uh, of, of those following Christ. This is in Acts chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. And let's see what happens.
2: Then the high priest rose up, and all that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. So here they are, wholesale, they're thrown in prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life.
1: So now the angel releases them from prison, and we applaud that, and we say, see, the angel was not was was, was was interfering in, in their life for good. But he wasn't giving them their destiny. He wasn't telling them what to do except for the fact that here's what you're supposed to do. Go preach the gospel. Yes. That's the only thing the angel that, told that them was to it.
2: do. You're free now. Go do your thing. So what did they do? When they heard... That they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. So, as soon as it was possible to fulfill what the angel guided them to do, they did it.
1: They did it, and it was only to further the gospel. It wasn't to make their life better or happier or simpler,
2: or, or answer their secret questions,
1: right, or more understandable. It was to do the will of God. That's where angels play the role as messengers from God to deliver those things. With that, in in uh, um. In mind, let's go back to the, uh, the, the soundbite of the little girl, uh, Ricky, her name was, um, with her, her, her guardian angel experience uh, with her near-death experience at two years old.
0: Soon after, Ricky opened her eyes and began to recover. Doctors did not know why, but Ricky did, and she told her mother about it.
5: It was approximately a month after she had come home from the hospital and I had taken her shopping with me we went into a bookstore and maybe five minutes into shopping she grabbed my hand and squeezed and and started screaming and yelling in the store mama mama that's my angel
4: and i didn't know what she
5: was talking about i looked around and there was a poster on the wall and it was of a guardian angel
1: so, you know, you have that experience, and when we hear that, and you hear a child, you know, a child isn't going to, just going to make something up to, to, to deceive people, right? Right. So, you listen to that and say, well, wow, you know, there there's something very special about that, and she must have seen something, and you know what? She did. It was a near-death experience, and it's interesting that she described the tunnel, the tunnel mm-hmm. with the light, right? because so many people see that in these near-death experiences. They're, they're... That's part of the the physiology of humanity, and the so you say okay, well, did she make up the angel? And, and, and Jonathan, here, here's my thought on that. Uh, while we're not going to say say no. The child didn't see what she saw. I, she saw something, and she recounted something that was probably planted in her mind from a book that was read or a television show that she saw, or
2: the bookstore they went to before pre- the experience
1: previously, mm-hmm. and that to her was something that was very important and very very significant. You know. W- w- little children remember things when they're that young oh yeah in a very specific way my, my grandson dominic is like that uh um, i used to take care of him every single morning before i uh, bring him to, to daycare and uh one of the things we used to do is we sit at the table and eat breakfast and we had a little bird feeder on the window and all these different kinds of birds would come so we bought a Bird book, mm-hmm. and uh, at two years old, he knew I don't know a dozen different kinds of birds. He could just oh look, there's a a a, a, a tufted titmouse, and he could tell the difference between that and a house sparrow, and all of you know. So sure, <laughs> at two years old, you know it was something that was implanted, and he still to this day can remember those things. So. At that young tender age, if you see something once, oftentimes it's just frozen in your mind. That's right. And that's imagery, and there's nothing terrible about the imagery, but we just have to understand the biblical principles behind the concept of the imagery. Right. And the biblical principle is that angels are not there for everybody at all turns in every life.
2: Also, the Apostle Peter had a similar experience of being released from prison, didn't he?
1: He did, and we're not going to read it in the interest of time, but in Acts chapter 12, verses 5 to 11, he's in prison. Uh, There's guards upon guards upon guards upon guards, and he's in the inner prison, and the, 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 the brothers and sisters are praying for him, and he's praying, and what happens? An angel comes in. Their prayers were answered. Right. Opens the prison door and basically walks Peter out through the guards, out of the prison. That's That's right. That's what the angel does. He walks the angel, walks him out, and says, Okay, here you are. You're far enough away. Now go.
2: So God's plan wasn't going to be thwarted.
1: And see, that's the point. Peter, at this stage, was incredibly important to the development of the plan of God. So the angelic intervention was there solely for the purpose. Not of Peter's personal benefit. No. It was solely for the purpose Of moving the gospel forward with the individual that was needed at the time, the Apostle Peter. Yes. That's what angelic intervention was about. So. Having said that, and you know, we're talking about this, and, and the, the, the and look, angels did work miracles on behalf of the apostles and those that were chosen. Let's go back to another soundbite. This is Lorna Byrne. She's the woman that sees all kinds of things in the spirit world on a regular basis. And she just says something interesting here, and, and I think it's just worth putting into the middle of our conversation.
0: But the that the angels are here, and they are extremely beautiful. And you're a guardian angel. Every Do family. I have a guardian angel? Yes. And and you have been guided all your, your life. And you have a beautiful guardian angel right there behind you. That's and all as all I can say is your guardian that's angel... That's a
3: wonderful message for me. <laughs>
0: your guardian angel seems to, in a sense, go through the roof, but the roof is not really there for your guardian angel. Right,
3: right. right.
0: Lots of us think that the, the physical things are, are there. You know, what we build interferes with, with, with the angels, but they don't.
1: So she's basically saying to this other man, who is not a, uh, you know, a Christian or anything of the sort, saying to him, "Yes, you have a guardian angel. He's right there behind you, and he's beautiful." So when you hear something like that, it gives credibility to the idea, because you have this person who has this gift to see things that other people cannot, and she claims. All of these things are happening, and all of these things are real, and they're all right here doing it. And she says, this angel has been guiding you throughout your whole life. But if you look at the history of guardian angels, and you can find the history of guardian angels in the scriptures, there's no guardian angel that guides anybody for their whole life. Period. There's just not. They're there as a protection. They're not there as a continual guidance. There's a difference. There's a difference. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free. 866-985 all. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on
2: right now. And go to our website and become a Twitter follower and learn about upcoming programs and any new updates posted. Go to ChristianQuestions.com and check out CQ Rewind, the full edition. This program and the bonus material, Seraphim, Cherubim, all the scriptures listed to give you. A, a comprehensive understanding of those type of angels that we don't have time to cover.
1: And there's so much on angels in the scriptures that's so important. And, and Jonathan, you know, I feel kind of bad in a way because we're probably bursting a little, some bubbles out there. Yeah. But you know what? We want to do things. We want to understand things according to Scripture. Because to me, that's the, that's where you've got to you've got to have your basis. You've got to have it somewhere, and why not have it in Scripture? Look, here's more scriptures on angels. God's angels always carry out the will
2: of God without changing it. Galatians one eight. But though we. Or an angel from heaven preached any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed.
1: So the angels are not allowed to alter anything. It's all pre-written according to the will of God. And, And the Apostle Paul says, if an angel is trying to tell you the gospel is different, the good news is different, let that angel be accursed. What is that telling you?
2: Oh, that's a, that's a messenger of Satan.
1: Exactly. You've got to be careful with this kind of thing. 2 Corinthians eleven, thirteen, and 14.
2: For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light.
1: So, there you have it. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. And an angel of light is
2: beautiful. Be careful.
1: An angel of light is powerful.
2: But deceptive.
1: An angel of light is influential. And there are these angels of light that are all around us in our world but are not angels of God. Because they appear as angels of light. They take on the outside facade of an angel of light. But if you were to check an angel's credentials...
2: Okay? All right. (laughs) He's looking at me like, Uh,
5: where are you going now?
2: How can you do this? How do you do this?
1: What you do is you say, okay, are they fulfilling angelic responsibilities as laid out in Scripture? Or are they doing something different? And if they're doing something different than the principles laid out in Scripture, their credentials will say to, those are their credentials, and they say to us, this is not an angel of God. This is a messenger, but it's not a messenger of the Almighty God. And that's why, folks, this is such an important subject, and that's why we have to be so important. And you know, Matthew four, five to seven, we're not going to read it because we touched on it before. This is when Satan is tempting uh, uh, Jesus in the wilderness.
2: Yeah, and he quoted, "He shall give his angels charge over thee." Yeah, right, Psalm yeah.
1: ninety-one. And 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 again, you know, angels are never called at, uh, never at the call or service of men. You know, and that's the interesting thing. Satan was saying, Satan was teaching Jesus, suggesting to Jesus to misapply that scripture. Satan was saying, go ahead, jump, the angel will catch you.
2: He looked like an angel of light at the time.
1: Right, and he's saying that could be a great witness to everybody around. That
2: you are God's son.
1: The angel will catch you. And Jesus' response is, no, 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 no. It is not for me to direct what an angel is supposed to do. See, that's another great principle in this whole conversation about angels and how they influence our lives and how they don't
2: influence our lives. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, are angels influencing your life? Coming up, so what's the bottom line? How are we supposed to treat angels from God's perspective? That's right.
0: You're listening to Christian
2: Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Are Angels Influencing Your Life? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866 985 We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website... ChristianQuestions.com.
1: So we're looking at, and, uh, in this final segment of the program, we're, we're really focusing on, okay, well, how do we, or should we, how do we treat angels? And, and Jonathan, do you believe you have a guardian angel? I uh, guess I do. And have you ever talked to that guardian angel?
2: Uh, no, I haven't.
1: Uh, would you like to talk to that guardian angel?
2: Not really. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why? Well, and, and isn't that exactly the point? Why? The guardian angel is there for a specific reason for those
2: who have a covenant relationship with God. To protect me when I make stupid mistakes. and Jonathan, makes up for my differences. Do you make stupid mistakes? I do.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Rick's Club. And, and, and
2: I'll find out later how he was working overtime yeah. <laughs> to watch over me.
1: <laughs> so, uh, folks, a- as we begin to wrap this up... Can we have angels at our own beck and call? Well, uh, Matthew 26,
2: uh, 53. This is Jesus speaking. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels?
1: So Jesus is in a very difficult spot, in a very difficult time. He's approaching crucifixion. And this is what he says. And he says this because he understands that the angels would be available through God to help him. If God said so. Right. So you see, he puts the order of events in place in this simple statement. He says, don't you think that I can't pray to my father? Mm -hmm. And then he will send... So, is Jesus directly commanding the angels as a human? No. Of course not. So, if Jesus as a human couldn't do it, what makes us think we can? Right. So, let's keep this in its proper perspective. Now, if this is the case, then what about the voices and directions and so forth that people get? You know, this ethereal connection they get with the with the, with the the other world, so to speak, and, 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 and angels. Let's go back to a soundbite from that program, Sightings. Uh, we got this off of YouTube, on Guardian Angels. And uh, they're discussing uh, near-death experiences and comparing children and adults.
0: While Dr. Morse believes that Ricky Enriquez had a vision of death, author Joan Wester Anderson has a different interpretation. She believes Ricky had what is known as a celestial vision of her guardian angel.
4: Angels appear to children, I think, because children are so open to the spiritual realm. In near-death experiences with children, about 70% of those involve the sighting of an angel, which is kind of interesting because adults only report 15 or 20%.
1: So her her take on it is well, you know, children they're so innocent they can key into the spiritual realm so much even more easily. I have a different Than adults, exp- yeah. Okay. I have a different explanation to that.
2: All right, what's I just that? think
1: that's what they're taught. I just think that children are taught because those are hard questions for small children, you know, about death and and, mm-hmm. and you know you're you're taught just like Beth's uh, uh, con- uh, phone call, you know, you're you're taught these things that make you feel comfortable and and God's angels take care of you and don't worry. So if they have an experience like that, their mind goes back to what they're taught mm-hmm. because that's what children do.
2: But what about the adults only reporting fifteen to twenty percent? Too much brain clutter. <laughs> Because of life experience, right, different right, information,
1: right, right, and 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 you're at a different stage of your life, and and you haven't been what you've been taught is 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 you know, uh, piece upon piece upon piece, and so it's a very different circumstance. So I don't think that that's any kind of evidence. The, you know of, of angelic intervention. I just don't. I just think it's it's in the mind of a human being. Just like the soundbite from before, where the where the where the woman was saying, "Well, you know, how do you how do angels communicate with you? Well, it's, you know, it's a voice in your head." And she says, "Well, you know, well, some people are going to say that's just yourself talking to yourself, and that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's what you're doing. You got a great imagination. Keep it up." <laughs> <laughs> but so you know, it's it's all how we 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 perceive and all how we choose to interpret whatever it is coming into into our minds. Folks, if you have a thought, now would be the time. 866-985-4255, toll free. 866 985 for all. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on
2: right now. And stay connected to Rick and I any day or time at ChristianQuestions.com. There's exclusive videos, audio clips, other rewind tools, and much, much more. Right after the show or any time of the week, just jump on to ChristianQuestions.com. All
1: right. Now, last key points. Angels show up when? Angels show up at key points when God's plan is to be expanded. All right. And we know that because scripturally, that's what happened. Peter and Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 5.
2: Now, there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a devout man, and one who feared God with all his household, and gave many alms to the Jewish people, and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come in and said to him, Cornelius.
1: Now, you know, here's the interesting thing, Jonathan. I've been harping on the idea that angels only appear and and, and work with people who have a covenant relationship with God. Now, he's a Gentile. Right. He didn't have a covenant relationship with God. Uh -uh. So here's the exception that proves the rule, because Cornelius is a devout man who feared God prayed at the proper Jewish times of prayer during the day and wanted to serve God with all of his heart, mind, soul and strength and was just looking for opportunity so he was in line for a covenant relationship with God and the angel comes to him um and 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 and, and greets him and let's go ahead
2: and fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now dispatch some men to Joppa and send for the man named Simon, who is also called Peter.
1: So it's interesting. He says, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Which doesn't indicate they were treated in the same way as prayers of someone who was already in a covenant relationship with God. But the time for the gospel to expand had arrived, and Cornelius was to be the pivot point. So he gets the angelic intervention because he is now entering covenant relationship. And history, all of Christian history, is about to change Built upon Cornelius. That's why the angel shows up. So now we go to Peter's part of that in Acts chapter 10, verses 17 to 20.
2: Now, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind as to what the vision which he had just seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent by Cornelius having asked directions for Simon's house, appeared at the gate. And calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. So now,
1: Peter is on the receiving end of these messengers. These, uh, You know, it's interesting. They're messengers. It says, dispatch some men to Joppa from Cornelius. Mm-hmm. They were his angels. They were his messengers. Right. Because the word for angel doesn't only mean spiritual being. That's right. It can mean, and in many cases in Scripture, Seeker so Rewind Full Edition, check out the bonus material, the word for angel can mean a human being sent as a messenger to deliver someone else's message. So he is on the receiving end of these messengers from Cornelius, instructed by the the guardian angel, or by the angel, rather, uh, on behalf of God's plan.
2: While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you, but get up, go downstairs, and accompany them without misgivings, for I have sent them myself. So you have angelic intervention
1: Because world history was about to change. So angelic intervention was appropriate. Remember, angelic intervention came before Jesus was born. Yes. World history was about to change. Angelic intervention happened when Abraham was ready to sacrifice Isaac. Yes, it did. World history changed as a result of that that event. You see these things happen and angels appear at big times.
2: In accord with God's plan.
1: Exactly. Not because they decide to, but because they're told to. Uh, one last sound by Jonathan. When I go back to Graham Hancock, who's interviewing Lorna uh, Byrne, this is the woman who sees all of these uh, angelic visions and all of these spiritual things that nobody else uh, can see. And he is asking her to sort of sum up the uh, the angelic message that she's seeing.
0: And I always say... Thanks for good. Thanks for the light. Thanks yes. for God and and His angels being been here among us yes. to to help to give us the strength. Yes. Even though a lot of us don't listen, but an awful lot of us do. Yes. And yes. that's why good will win in the end.
3: Yes. Now your your last yeah. book was called A Message of Hope from the Angels. Jones. And and w- how would you summarise that message? That hope. What what are we what 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 may we hope for?
0: Um. We we may hope for that that we will grow spiritually, mm-hmm. that we will strive um, towards all of those positive futures that will come together mm-hmm. and become one. Mm-hmm.
1: So it's, it's kind of interesting because you hear someone like that, and just by the, the tone of her voice, I mean, she, sa- she doesn't sound dark or evil or... So sincere. Right. She's not, she's not looking to just like say, ha 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 ha, I'm going to mislead everybody now. I'm going to capture them in my sophisticated web of sophistry so that I can guide them the way I want to. She's not doing that. She really sees herself, I believe anyway, as, as, as a messenger herself of, of the, the this, this spiritual input. Mm-hmm. So you look at that and say, well, look, she's not inherently an evil person. So don't we don't categorize her in that same category as, as satanic. But what we would say about that is we just believe that she's getting messages uh, that are not sanctioned by God and to be extremely careful. That's what we're saying. You don't want messages if you're going to change your own Spiritual focus and destiny. You don't want messages that are not sanctioned by God Almighty. Right. You just don't. You just because that's that's going to the wrong 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 place. But again, this is not saying well she's dark and evil. That's not the point. And I want to make sure that that's clear before we wrap this up. So, Jonathan, how should we treat angels? Should we worship angels?
2: No. If if we did, it's like we're making them idols. Right. And we're not to idolize anything Thing God made.
1: And that is summed up in what Jesus said to Satan when he was being tempted in the wilderness. Matthew
2: 4.10. Then saith Jesus unto them, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shalt thou serve.
1: So there it is. Worship the Lord your God only. And, and you know, so people say, well, you know, how come you worship Jesus? Because God gave us permission to. That's why. A different subject, different time. But that's why Uh, do we pray to angels and because a lot of these folks that get this this angelic uh influence you know coming around in, in life they're they're talking and praying to these angels all the time should we be praying to angels
2: no well how do you know Matthew 6, six. but you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you.
1: So, the scriptural guidance about prayer has nothing to do with angels. No. Jesus tells us to pray in his name. Jesus tells us to pray through him. We're never instructed to pray through an angel. Do we have, or do we have the authority to ask angels for help or favors? No. How do we know?
2: John 14:12 through 14 Truly truly I say to you he who believes in me the works that I do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father whatever you ask in my name that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the son if you ask me anything in my name I will do it So Jesus gives
1: us the proper approach to asking about things and it's interesting because as we went through this program uh, we, we heard from a lot of different people with a lot of perspectives on angels and they were looking to the angels to give them perspective on life give them, give them the, an understanding of their own destiny help them and be comforted by them and Jonathan what they're really doing is they're just simply being misguided in where to go for that comfort and help
2: Yeah, you know, there's only one source
1: Truly, there is only. Now, look, people can find comfort and help in all kinds of things, and it can be effective. Again, we go back to Beth's comment on the phone Mm -hmm. where she said it was a nice sentiment. Right and you know it's a sentiment that that gives people peace and and you know we understand that so it's not like if you're in a, in that kind of a situation folks here, look if you're in a situation and, and you know you're at somebody's funeral and somebody you hear somebody say to somebody as well now he's he's your guardian angel looking over you don't go running over them to say blasphemy don't don't <laughs> ruin their their the, the peace that they're getting from just trying to deal with and cope with the difficulty of life
2: and comfort you
1: rather Understand the source of true comfort, and then when opportunity arises, you can share that in a way that can be uplifting. You know, It's not our, K, our, our, our position to go and try to, 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 to force ourselves into how we see these things on others, but it is our position to witness through how we live. Folks, listen. Angels are an important part of the world today. However, they are not something or somebody for us to be accessing and discussing our lives with because that's not what their role is. The Bible specifically tells us what the role of angels is and specifically tells us what it is not. And it gives us the guidelines so we can do the things we're supposed to do in relation to angels in a proper, godly way. For Jonathan and Rick at Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. We certainly have enjoyed being with you. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But until then, don't forget to check us out on Facebook. We'd love to hear your comments there or on our blog or email at rick at christianquestions.net. Till next week, are angels influencing your life? We'll be back. Think about it.